Hello, and welcome to The Lynn Show. Today, I'm going to play interviews I did with Roberta McDonald and Bob Turoff. They are the owners, founders, creators, directors, actors, producers, and all-around everythings of the Golden Apple Dinner Theater in Sarasota, Florida. And they are currently playing Chicago, and Roberta is in it, starring as Mama, a show-stopping performance. And directly after her interview, I'm going to play my interview with Bob. Then I'm going to play the overture to Chicago, which is that terrific tune, All That Jazz. If you were listening to last week's show and the week before, you heard Bill and Susan Seaforth Hayes talking about how important Bob Turoff was and continues to be to their career. And the week before, you might have heard Carolyn Michael talking about how important Bob Toroff was to her career and how directly responsible he is for her having stayed in Sarasota. And so I not only wanted to interview these two wonderful people, but I wanted you to get an opportunity to hear firsthand who it is that not only brought all this wonderful theater to Sarasota, but is so, so, so supportive of artists. And so now, Roberta McDonald. So here I am in the Golden Apple Closet with Roberta McDonald, who I'm having this delightful conversation about animals and dogs with. Uh, turns out that we're uh, kindred spirits along that line. Yes, absolutely. But that's really all I know about you. So, uh, um, yeah. yeah, right. So what I, what I, I'm doing this series of interviews. I don't know what they told you on Anatomy of an Artist. Okay. And I'm particularly interested in people who have had long careers, ha- somehow managed to do this thing ongoingly in their life. Okay. And I just want to hear whatever it is you might want to say about how you got into it, what, what well, the beginnings were, how you managed to do it. You're on. Okay. Well, I wanted to be an actress ever since I was four. Four. I never thought about nursing or, or <laughs> law or being a doctor. I only wanted to be an actress. Do you know why? I, I, don't I have mean, no idea. Would, well, let me ask it a different way then. I have no idea what... Triggered it. Triggered it because I'm old enough that there was no television around. Well, right. there was a little black and white scratchy thing with somebody named Kyle McDonald and Earl Wrightson and the Mohawk show around 6 o'clock and some news, but that's all I knew. There was a, a community theater about five houses away from where I lived and it was run by Donald and Mary Bryan, who gave little classes to little girls and little boys. And she liked the way I spoke, because I had a low voice, for, uh, even in the beginning. The time. I later find out that Donald Bryan was the original Prince Donilo and the original Mary Widow, and that she had a huge career as a costumer in the 20s. And his career was very low. And so I, was, I fell in love with them and being in that theater building, at, and that was it. So are you saying that you started those lessons at four? Yeah, they had a little class for little girls to dance. Wow. You know, to keep your balance. Did, you, did your parents? Uh, no, it was just a good place to park me. Park you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. you know, and it yeah. was only five houses yeah. away. Little did they know. Right. <laughs> and then we lived in Great Neck at the time. I went to elementary school with a woman by the name of Madeline Corbell, and at that point, 
the UN was in Lake Success, which was one of the incorporated villages of Great Neck. Mm-hmm. And we used to go to the UN all the time, and I got to meet Eleanor Roosevelt. Well, Maddie Corbell is Madeleine Albright. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes, right. <laughs> so that's how we got there, because her father was a big mucky muck in, in the Secretariat when yes. it first started. Yes. Uh, Andrew uh, Corbell. At any rate... Interesting, too. Andrew Corbell then went on to the University of Denver, head of their poli-sci department, and his star pupil was Condoleezza Rice. Oh, dear. Yes. <laughs> and the interesting thing is, Madeline, you know, I, I hear her on interviews, and she says, she'll always say, oh, Condi, Daddy would have been so disappointed in you. <laughs> so then in my sophomore year, I read about this brand-new school in New York City called the High School of Performing yeah. Arts. And I said, Mom, I want to go there. And my mother was really excited because she wanted to move to the city. Well, because she, they were both born in the city. And they were in Great Neck so that I could have air. And, you know. Oh, this is so funny. They move to the suburbs for their child who then gets them to move back, back to, to the, the city. city. Right. Very cute. So I auditioned. Usually they don't take somebody going into their junior year. But I auditioned for Helen Hayes. And she said, you must make an exception of this young lady. So I went to the High School of Performing Arts. My classmates were Suzanne Plachette, Herbie Gardner, who wrote Thousand Clowns, Eugene Pomerantz, who wrote Elephant Man, Daniel Melnick, who produced all the That's Entertainment movies. It was an incredible class. Norman Walker, who headed up Jacob's Pillow dance thing, and Dominic DeLuise. So we had, it was a wonderful experience. And I graduated very early because I had skipped in my early grades. So you're just kind of rushing along here. I, I don't mean now, I mean in your life. You're, yes. It's, you're the fast track. Yes. Yeah. So I get out of school and I had enough credits because my two years in Great Neck High School were fabulous. It was a great school. It was made great because of the UN. That's where all the UN kids went. So they really spent a lot of money on the teachers and stuff. So I graduate in January. I made a deal with my father that if I wasn't making over more than $12,000 a year, I would go to college. He really wanted me to have a profession aside from being the old story. Yeah. So I was going to NYU at night, taking maybe three classes. And I heard from a man by the name of Jerry Paris, who you would remember from the Dick Van Dyke show. He was the neighbor he was the, I do know the who dentist. He is. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jerry told me there was an open audition for a girl for South Pacific, which was going into its fourth year. So I auditioned and I got the job. So I'm here I am, sixteen years old. Making more than twelve thousand dollars a year. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Daddy. <laughs> and I stayed in South Pacific, which was a great experience. Oh, and they've just contacted me, there's going to be a 60th reunion oh in South God. Pacific and on April the 7th. And that was the day that I went into the show oh my on God. April the 7th. So it is literally your 60th anniversary. It'll be my 60th anniversary. Jeez. I left South Pacific to do a television show and Shirley Jones replaced me. And I did my television show for a year and the producers of the Today Show scouted me from that show, which was a kind of a loose disc jockey show. I had guests, Nat King Cole, those kind of people, plugging a record, and, and Nat would sing a song, and sometimes I'd do a duet with him or something, and it was all ad lib. So the Today Show contacted me, and Helen O'Connell was going to have a baby, and they wanted to know if I'd like to replace her for a couple of weeks, and I said, oh, 
He's the Pope Catholic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I did the Today Show for about uh, six weeks while she had a baby, and she came back. Greatest experience. I mean, it was just wonderful. Why? I'm a news buff. I'm, uh. I love politics. I love news. Bob and I sit down at 6 o'clock. We watch the local news from 6 to 6.30. Then we watch Brian Williams from 6.37. Then we go to PBS and we'll watch Channel 3 from 7 to 8. And then we go to MSNBC and watch Oberlin from 8 to 9. Then maybe we'll see something else. I've always been very involved with So going I did the, the Today anyway. Show. Finished with the Today Show. And I decided, well, I had a little bit of a name and put together a nightclub act hmm. when there were still nightclubs. And, you know, the girl singer in a supper know, club. I, I played the Persian Room at the Plaza. I played the Camellia House in Chicago. I played all those kind of nice, pretty rooms. After the nightclubs, I then said, eh, you know, I don't really like nightclubs. I want to go back to the theater. And I did a Cyrano de Bergerac at City Center. Then... Uh, I did Where's Charlie with Dick Sean oh on a tour God. of Summerstock. And the following year, I got a phone call from my agent, and she said, they're doing Where's Charlie up in Rochester, and they don't have an Amy, and they want an Amy who's done it before. So I said, sure, I'm not doing anything. So I flew up to Rochester, and I met this man who had iridescent blue pants on. I remember thinking, what is that? And it was with Bill Hayes. So I had known Bill Hayes, and he had known Bill Hayes. Bob had known Bill Hayes. So I, basically, I know Bill Hayes longer than I know my husband, and <laughs> Bob knows Bill Hayes longer than he knows his wife. So we did the Where's Charlie, and within a year, we got married. But first, we, we did a show called The Golden Apple. I was signed for a Broadway musical called The Happiest Girl in the World, which never made it in. I was just going to say... It I never made it in with Cyril Richard and, and a number of girls, and I was playing... Aphrodite and Bob was commissioned to, to direct The Golden Apple and he said you gotta play Helen of Troy so I gave my notice and I went to do The Golden Apple and during rehearsals we got married and then we did a lot of stock and Bob decided one year to write a musical which he did on the life of Texas Guinan called Hello Sucker and Martha Ray toured with it while he was writing it I said well I'll get a job and I auditioned for a show called Sherry, which was the musical version of The Man Who Came to Dinner, starring Elizabeth Allen and Dolores Gray and George Saunders, who was brilliant. So I became the standby for the two women. Wound up opening the show in Boston because Liz got very ill, and Dolores, who tippled a bit. I played almost all the matinees in two weeks on Broadway. It's a great gig. And... Uh, it was great. It was great. But it's about that time that Bob kept saying, we've got a son, and this is no place to bring a son up. And he wanted to move to Atlanta because that's where we were working summer stock. And they were offering him a, a job at Emory University as well as a winter play season. It was not my kind of town. And we didn't move. We had a wonderful apartment. We lived right off Central Park West on 69th Street. And my son had a three-wheeler. And... An officer stopped me at the entrance. He said, don't go into the park with your three-wheeler because there's a gang of people who are holding the kids hostage unless you give them the bike. Oh, my. So I went home that night, and I said, okay, let's think about it. But then we left for Fort Worth because we were doing a season of summer stock at Casa Manana, which is a very well-known theater. And we came home, and my parents decided to take us all to 
Florida for the month of December, and we came to a place called Sarasota. We stayed at the Triton Inn out on Lido Beach. It was very nice. and had kitchens. Bob went off to direct an opera for the National Opera Company in Raleigh, and my mother and father and myself and Ben had these two rooms, and we had a lovely week. And I really liked Sarasota. I was very impressed at that time that we're talking 1970, had a black Miss Sarasota. I didn't know that. Yes, her name was Dentise Piercy. Wow. She's a beautiful, talented woman. And I found that very impressive. No and kidding. Paul Wolf had this orchestra. Paul had been in the pit of South Pacific. Still <laughs> in with Paul. And the Oslo was a little summer theater. And then Wazel was just opening. So it... Ground floor. Yeah. And we presented a couple of plans to Van Wazel. Kurt Haug was running it then, uh, about doing summer stock at Van Wazel. And he says, nah, nobody goes to the theater in the summer. So that fizzled out. And then somebody said, why don't you open a dinner theater? And we'd never been to a dinner theater. Oh, my gosh. So we went up to Showboat up in Tampa. Um, it's a terrible show. But I had a great dinner. And we were going home, and I said, you know, it doesn't have to be a terrible show. Most of these people who have dinner theaters are restaurant people, and this is a new vogue, let's put on a show, and they don't know what they're doing theatrically. Right. So we started looking, and we found this building, and in 120 days, we opened. Oh, my God. Yeah. Go do that today. No. <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's that kind of fast-track thing. Yeah. You know? You sort of... <laughs> Just went. And, I, and I, I was pregnant with my daughter, Kyle. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I gave birth just before we opened. So when was that, 1971 or so? 71. So where are you now? That's 30... We're 37 years. My We're going to be 38 on December 18th. And that's just here. We had a theater in St. Petersburg, and then we had a theater in Venice for 10 years. And we've sent, I don't know how many tours. I mean, I've been to Singapore 15 times. So y your father never regretted that uh, you... No. No. No, he came to terms with it rather he, he did, right? Yes. Yeah, I imagine they were very proud of you. They were, they were great. Yeah. Did you have siblings? No. We're both only children. Really? Yeah. Well, we were born in, during the Depression. A lot of people didn't, didn't have, have more than one. No, 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 that's yeah. right. But you did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you have, you've essentially done it all, haven't you? Yeah, sort of. Is there anything... I never did uh, movies. I did a lot of television. I mean... Got to kiss Paul Newman, the <laughs> man behind the badge. I'll never forget that because he was just, and and she was there. Joanne was on the set, watching. Yes. <laughs> yeah. My agent was also Jimmy Dean's agent, so Ooh. I knew Jimmy Dean. It was a really very exciting time. Yeah. So, is there anything that you would have wanted to do that you didn't do, or that you might still want to do? Sometimes I regret that I didn't go to college. Because at this point in my life, I would have run for public office. Oh, my goodness. And yeah. that's required? Ooh, pretty much today, yeah. And they came to me, wanted me to uh, consider, consider it. Consider it. And mm -hmm. uh, I considered it for a couple of days. But, I mean, I would be very vulnerable on that On that score. level. Yeah. yeah, right. Not about to go back to school. I'm too busy with my six dogs, my two burrows, my swans, and my coming grandchildren. Your swans? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I, when we went to England, um, my father shot a movie over there. And we did a little bit of touring, and we went to Warwick 
castle and they had swans and peacocks and I was just fascinated with them and when we moved out to the country from St. Armand's we are five miles east of the interstate oh they're 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 catching up to you now oh please don't huh? tell me <laughs> When we moved out there, there was nothing but cow pasture. I'd come home from the theater, and there'd be a cow in the street, and I'd have to call the sheriff's department. It was great. You know what? This reminds me of the, um, you know, 45 minutes from Broadway. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you you got it here. <laughs> it's so cute. So, but they are. They're, they're encroaching. Oh, they're, I know. They, it's they just, terrifying. They just cleared the land next to me. Uh, didn't we just vote that they shouldn't do that? Yeah. Yeah. But that, that was in the works. Yeah, right, right. So did you ever want to write? Uh, yes, I have wanted to write. We had dinner last night with Bill and Susan Hayes, and he said, you've got to write. We should, but it's, it's a question of time. Yeah. What, writing is, is labor-intensive. There's no question yeah. about it. And it's really a question of what you would want to write. So, but there are an awful lot of stories, you know. I, I was just thinking, I you mean... You know, when I did the Today Show, I got to interview Nelson Rockefeller the day he was elected wow. governor. And, I mean, because they sent me, they didn't, nobody thought Rockefeller was going to win. And so they, <laughs> so sent, they sent him they to sent you. the girl <laughs> and, and, and the man, let him go. So, and I wound up with an interview. And, again... Little things like that. Bob. Little things well, like that? Bob has a wonderful story about his grandfather, and there are just a lot of things that really we should put down on paper. You know, uh, well, I mean, I know you know this. I know that I am not telling you anything you don't know. But you can you can t speak these things into a... Yes. You know, you don't have to... Yeah, we talked about that last night. I said, you know, my, my typing skills are very poor. I remember because when I took my typing test, at performing arts, I got there two hours early, so I would get one of the two machines that had the letters on it. <laughs> All the others did. <laughs> yeah, but it's you know now they actually even have voice-activated computers. Yeah. I mean, you just talk to the thing and it'll write itself. Right. So I'm yeah. going to stop doing this now because I know you know all this stuff. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. And yes. We, and we, we will we probably. I am going to have my shoulder replaced. Good God, you too? Yeah. I th didn't Bob just have... Yes. Well, this is bone... I'm bone on bone. <gasps> I've had two shots of cortisone. Oh. And this is holding. I have complete range of motion. But it's not going to hold forever. And my daughter's going to have babies. And so I'm going to get it done at the end of July. And I thought maybe I would get myself one of those and yeah. do it. It's a great idea. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's great. And it will be, it seems to me... I think this is what you're saying, so I'm just paraphrasing... Yeah that it will give you an activity to do during the time that you're recovering. Yeah. That, that you, yeah, because you do strike me as a person who, well, I don't sit in the house. I've been trying to mow the lawn, which is five acres, for two days. It just takes time to mow five acres. And yesterday I got, I guess, maybe one acre done and starts with the thunder and the lightning, and I go yeah. inside. This morning it looked very clear, so I got out, got about a half hour of mowing in, Bingo, bango starts again. I'll go inside. Nothing happened. You know, there's a little bit of rumbling for a while. So I ran out again, and now it starts again. <laughs> so I... That's, that was my day today. Plus two loads of laundry. And me. Listen, this has been And bringing the puppy in. Oh, the puppy. Oh, my God, the puppy. She's so cute. And she gets along with my six. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, yeah. I've got the... the Racing greyhounds, yeah. the rescue greyhounds, are the greatest thing in the world. They're the greatest dogs. I can't, I've had four. 
Really? And they are just very social. Every year I give a huge party. And they're like 200 people, and they, they just love it. They're very at home. Yeah. The little Italian greyhounds I have to lock upstairs because they have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> and But my mutt, my chow golden retriever, he's he ushers everything. They're great. They're great dogs. So that's my story. Well, my God, it's an amazing story. I'm so grateful that you took this time with me. I know that you have to go get ready. And this has just been so wonderful. Thank you so You're much. Quite well. This is incredibly generous of you. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. <laughs> I hope so, because it was a pleasure for me. You see, oh yeah, I'm very high tech. I see that. I see that. <laughs> yeah, I'm very high tech. So here you are, and here I am. Well, okay, here we are. <laughs> and it's cool. And how's everything yes. today? Everything is lovely. Good. Everything's lovely. She is so lovely. My wife. Oh, yes. Forty-six years, my wife. My God, I can see why. As I was explained to everybody, I don't have an agenda and I don't have questions. Okay. What I have is a consuming interest right. in how one puts together a lifetime in some creative endeavor. Well, all right, that's you're like Tim Russert. You want to know how? I do. How. I absolutely do. All I right. wouldn't. I wouldn't give myself that accolade, but I, right. but but no yeah, I, I want to know how. I want to know how it happened and how you managed to pull it off. The theater has always been something that, that I want to do. Because, as a young man, in one of my first jobs in a community theater when I may have been 14, 15 years old, a New York director came out to direct this community theater I was working in, Kansas City, Missouri. You ever heard of Kansas City? <laughs> All right, yes. And the play was called Montserrat. And it was Lillian Hellman play about uh, this Spanish general who was chasing Bolivar. And he could not find him because no people were hiding Bolivar. So he told me, as one of his lieutenants, go out on the street, get me five people, bring them in. So I did it, and his job was, he said, I know that my lieutenant, Montserrat, knows where Bolivar's hiding. You five people must convince him to tell me or you're going to be all killed. So the play was a matter of how these five people realized he's not joking. Right. And was trying to convince this man who had to sit there knowing that his five lives were dead. I was a young officer guarding the door. And my job was when they didn't crack him and the first one had to be let out, I led the person out and shot him off stage and delivered the coup de grace. Well, apparently one of these young people, a carpenter was brought in, a, probably a Jesus-like character, who would not tell, but pleaded for his life. And apparently, I'm standing there as a Spanish soldier, and I was blonde, and I had, at that, those days, you blacked your hair out with carbon paper. I'm standing there, and apparently the tears are rolling down my face as I'm listening. Oh my God, you are so moved by it. We did the show over. The director called me over. Turoff, yes. Stick with this. This is your work. Oh, my God. So, Lynn, it's like the hand of God. I have tears in my eyes. Well, I mean, the guy right. said, this man, this New York director, told me this is what I do. Right. So it was like being told. That's right. So I did it. <laughs> I said, I mean, uh, how many guys get a chance to be they told, told what exactly what to they do? should do? Right. So I went on to school, went on to oh college, God. and uh, went in the Army. And when I got out of the Army, went into summer stock, and then went to New York. 
applied my trade as an actor, singer, because I could sing, made my living as a singer. And then uh, got a job as a director, put the makeup away. When is this? 19... Well, I was an assistant director in 59 and 60 for a large outdoor theater with 8,000 seats. Uh, went to New York and got a job in 1961 with my own theater as a director and met Roberta, who came in at the last minute to do a show that the producer decided he wanted to do rather than the show he had, he had scheduled. Oh, boy. He had seen the package upstate New York. He said, I can't do it. Meet me in St. Louis with Roddy McDowell. He didn't like it. He said, Bob, you've got to do another show. I said, I just finished doing 11 shows for you. He said, put another show together. And interestingly enough, maybe Roberta told you this. I said, where's Charlie? It's a fun musical. I know a marvelous actor I think could play it. Let me see if I could get him. The actor's name was Bill Hayes. Mm -hmm. I called Bill. He was in Massillon, Ohio, doing Who Was That Lady I Saw You In? <laughs> straight play. Bob, I can't. You open on Monday, and I don't finish this till Sunday. I said, Bill, number one, I was young. Bill, I'll have the producer hold the opening until Tuesday. And I'll come down with the cast and rehearse you in it in Massillon. Oh, my and God. And I'll drive back to Ohio, uh, to Rochester, where we're going. Oh, my God. Okay, it's a deal. So I called New York, and right. I said, I need an Amy, and I need three or three people. Well, the woman they sent up to play Amy was Roberta. Yeah. Okay. Again, this is all sort of... I found myself using this word with, with Bill, too. Do you know what bachert means? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's, course. Yeah, that's exactly, right. That's exactly. <laughs> and, but when I got the cast together and I said, now look, uh, some of you stay with the choreographer, but I would like some of the principals, if you can, I have drivers, I'd like you to come down to Ohio, rehearse Work Mr. out Hayes. with Bill. <laughs> hey, yes. One person raised their hand. Roberta. Roberta. <laughs> and that's the way it started. We went down, rehearsed Bill. He was marvelous. He, he had rented. We drove all night. The drivers went to sleep in a motel. We rehearsed Bill all day long. Drivers slept, drove us back, and he came in letter perfect four or five days later. And so Bill often says to Bill, I met Roberta. Right, 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 right. Anyway, uh, so then we got married in New York. And New York at the time, in the 60s, when we had our first uh, child, was a different, different, different town. I was there. Then you know. I know. You know. Roberta would sit in her little two square feet of sand on a bench with four <laughs> other mothers yeah, right. and a policeman at the end of it. And yeah. I said, hey, what are you doing here? So, I did my work anywhere. We were doing, doing off-Broadway and some city center work. We had an opportunity in 68 to come down here for Christmas <laughs> with her mother and father because they wanted, they heard about a nice little place on the beach here where you could cook and they wanted to get away from New York during Christmas. Her mother tried to do a uh, uh, old-fashioned Christmas, but going slogging through New York and delivering presents at the doors and running away was, you know, not the way to do it. So we all came down. I had an opera to direct in Raleigh, so we came down on Christmas, for Christmas, and on June, on, on January the 1st, I took a train up to Raleigh and started the opera for an opera company called National Opera Company. They stayed here for 10 more days. They picked me up and went back to New York. While they were here, both her mother and father looked at a condo. They were ready to retire. And Roberta looked at a house. I didn't know that. We got back to New York. And we had gone three weeks. The snow was covered with yellow. The last apothecary on the end of the block on Columbus in 69 had been robbed three times. So it had those bars across the thing. 
And I got, in the pilot mail, I got bills, my son Ben's schooling for his kindergarten or first grade of $2,500 a Calhoun plus $1,000 for the bus. Oh my so God. It's going to cost $3,000 for the first grade. For <laughs> it's going to cost seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 to get him out of grade school. Yeah, right. What are we doing here? She said, well, I saw this cute little house on this little place near St. Armand's. I said, St. Armand's? What, what was that? I never got around to it much. I'll make a long story short, uh, you want to move? Sure. I made the deal. I called on the phone, bought the house, furnished. Oh, my God. On Boulevard of the President, sight unseen, three bedrooms, Yeah. Boulevard of the Presidents, Yeah. 75000 No, $35,000. 1968. Oh, my God. It's a half a block from the circle. Imagine. But if Again. you're a New Yorker, right. we left an apartment. Right. Three bedrooms, three baths, and a maid's room on the second floor on 69th and Central Park West for $235 a month. You didn't own that, though. No, it was just a... Right, right, right. 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 So uh, for you, it was a huge... Right. But anyway, so we came here. I didn't know I was going to commute, and I commuted for a while, to going to Chicago or California, whatever I had to direct. Uh, ben got Ben into school. And I said, I got tired of traveling. Mm -hmm. And then I got an offer... After we've been here three weeks or four weeks, I got an offer from the University of South Florida in the mail. Hello, Mr. Turrell. Welcome to Florida. Uh, we would like to offer you a job as a, a visiting professor. We'd like you to teach a class in advanced acting and directing, and we'd like you to direct our major musical. Signed, head of the department. Where's the University of South Florida? <laughs> I never heard of it. How do they know me? Right. This offer for, for a lot of money. And I said, i got to find out where this is. So I got in the car and drove up <laughs> and found this huge, huge now, that was 1969, 70. I found this big university there with 30, 35,000 students, much bigger now. Yeah. And I went into the theater department, a beautiful department. I said, how do you know? Well, apparently, he was a graduate of Penn State. And in 1966, I had opened their new theater at the time, 66 oh. at Penn State, with the production of Susanna, uh, the opera Susanna. Yeah, yeah. And the dean wrote him a letter because he knew that I was going to move to Florida. And he said, if you get this man, try to get him. And so I wrote me a letter, didn't know who the hell I was. This is more by Shert. Yes, exactly. Unbelievable. Exactly, exactly. And, and so I took the job, which let me stay here. Right. I finished some other commitments I had. And there, I met, of course, a lot of people in the department technicians and things, and I said, you know, I'm going to look for something, maybe a theater down here. We'll help you if you want to design or something. So one thing led to another. I, it had every, Sarasota had a Lossal, it had been there about three years. It had a community theater. It did not have a dinner theater, which was just kind of burgeoning in New York in the area. Mm -hmm. So I looked around, see if, said if I could find something. I found this building, which was an abandoned Morrison's cafeteria. And there was nothing downtown. Building empty around. It was a old, dilapidated downtown. Right. You can imagine that in 1970. So I said, well, this might make an interesting thing. And the dinner theater they never had. And I said, well, I can learn. I know the theater. I guess I can learn how to cook. <laughs> in any case, I took a lease option on it. I was fortunate because Morrison's had left it with two years to go on the lease. So the owner was still getting money. Right. So he made. So he could it. take the risk, and so he could, could you. Make sure, yeah. Right. So I, t I took a lease purchase option. Right. Mm -hmm. Got my group together, got some kids together, tore it apart, invented the moving stage. We're going to clean the bathrooms. We remodeled, had an architect, and so in 90 days, 
we opened in December the 11th, 1971, with Stop the World, I Want to Get Off. Appropriate. Appropriate, exactly, <laughs> and that's how it happened. And we've been here ever since. This is going to be our 38th season. Coming. Yeah, yeah, she was telling me. Um, and of course, for her, she always wanted to have her own theater. She was she was an admirer of Eva Le Gallienne. Ah, uh, yes. The producer actress. Yes. So this worked out. She wanted to have her own place. I wanted to have our own business, our theater. Right. You and wanted so to stay in the same place. Exactly. And right. we wanted another child, which we right. did have. So, again, that's the way it happened. Here we are, 295 shows later. So this was really the coming together of everything that you two wanted. Yes, as it turned out. Uh, there were a lot of naysayers. I bet. And we invented this magic carpet stage. Someone told me about this rubber bladder that when you filled with air was frictionless. So I ordered one from Illinois. And I remember Morrison's had a terrazzo floor, so when we cleared it up, it was all terrazzo. And I got a big piece of plywood and cut a hole in it and put this bladder underneath and took an old vacuum cleaner, reversed it. When it you know, You're kidding. Vacuum. And six of us stood on this piece of plywood and rode around the stage. I said, we got it. So we invented the magic carpet stage, which floats out on air. You know, those kinds of things. Uh, I knocked on doors. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a track record here, and I said, I have to do that. So, while I was still teaching, I went to the University of South Florida's chancellor, and I said, you want to get this university off the ground as a theater school, and we want to get off the ground as a producing entity, so let's form a partnership. I will bring some actors down from New York, use as many as I can in the theater department for production of West Side Story. If you will fund it, I'll do it, and I'll book it for a summer tour around the state of Florida. We shook hands, it's a deal. So I got my 10 actors, auditioned, used the kids that I've been teaching with. Right. Got a choreographer, a musical director, and, and we used the, the musicians from the university orchestra. Wow. And I booked it in Tampa, St. Pete, Jacksonville, Miami, Orlando, and the Van Wezel. And it was the first show that had ever run a week at the Van Wezel, 1970. It just opened. God. It opened three or four months. And we had a successful tour, but the other story is opening night at the Van Wezel. I had to go on the stage and say, ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm a little fushimult, fushimult, because this afternoon my daughter was born. Here's a sort of memorial. At the afternoon of the, of the, of the opening night, there's still people, still people who come who were there, who remember my announcing my daughter's birth, and that's 36 years ago. Oh my God. Isn't that lovely? Yes. So, so when I walked around and knocked on the doors of the bankers and the, at that time the people had the money were the doctors and the <laughs> lawyers and the accountants, right, right. I said, well, we just finished that production of Westside you may have read about in the paper whether you saw it or not. Oh, oh, I heard about that. And I was raising what today would be called a pittance of money to form a limited partnership where they were all, I wanted them all to feel they had ownership in their theater. And I got the money, almost all of it started construction. And as we got going, people who were a little reluctant came in, and mm-hmm. I was able to close the, make it a limited partnership. It was very That's big it. risk. Very. Everything I had was on the, the line. Obviously. And uh, I had to get a, a chef and a cook and decide how it was going to be done and design the stage. And, and it's, one, it's one thing to say, well, and I'll learn how to cook. It's quite another to, to, to be a restaurant. Two of the highest risk businesses. Theater exactly. And the what I learned, I cannot tell you. But, 
but I, uh, my mother and father-in-law were very excited about that, and they said, any way we can help you. So my mother-in-law was in the box office. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And we still have some of the original investors. To make it interesting, tell you a story. When we formed our limited partnership in 1971, in Florida, you had to, every partnership had to have a termination date. You had to say, we'll run from so-and-so. We just picked, the lawyer picked the date. All right, 1980. So 1980, nine years. 1980 came around, I got a call from the state. Are you continuing business? And I said, what do you mean? Of course. Well, you have to renew. I didn't know that because the lawyer figured, what the hell, I'll be here nine yeah, years right. and it'll be gone. Right? right, exactly. So we've had to renew in 1980, 1990, <laughs> and 2000. Four renewals just to keep it going, which is kind of tough. So here we are, 38 years later. I got so entranced that I forgot. I had a question and I forgot what I wanted to ask you. That's so sad. Um, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. Your family, are they theatrical? No, they were not at all. No, my father was hurt as a young man in a commercial accident, broke his back, so he I... was laid up a long time. My mother worked. She was a, a, a clerk in a grocery store to keep things going. But Harry Truman <coughs> babysat my father. You're kidding. From Independence, Missouri. My father was born in Independence, which is a little town. Oh, my God. Just outside Kansas City. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I don't know whether everybody told you this, when I got married in 1966, I married in 61, I wanted to take her home. Yeah. Show her Missouri. Yeah. We went home, and my uncle wanted to take us around. He was in his 80s, wanted to take us around. He said, um, would you like to see the Truman Library? And my, I said, sure, we'd love to. It was Sunday, but it's closed. Wait a minute, I'll call Harry. Oh, you're he kidding. picked up the phone, <laughs> called Harry. Harry said, Ben, I will send my secretary over to open it up for you. Stay as long as you want. So on Sunday afternoon, Harry Truman's secretary opened up the <laughs> library. I pictured my son sitting at Truman's desk. He was maybe seven. And we got a lovely tour. And uh, that's how close the family was. Wow. And also, it was a different kind of world. Oh, yes. You it know? was. Yeah. It was. It, it, it was a different world. Yeah. Uh, my son, uncle, of course, has passed away, but... But she was very impressed, Roberta. I'll bet. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'd mentioned this to a man who came from Boston. He was doing a Turoff family tree. I didn't know who he was. His name was not mine, but we were all related from Russia, somewhere. And I mentioned the story to him. A year later, just about two years ago, I got a packet in the mail, a legal-sized envelope, two inches thick, of letters between my uncle and Harry Truman when Harry was president. Oh, my God. When he became president, my uncle wrote him a letter. said, Harry, you got a big job on you. Good luck. Hope you do it, fella. Okay. Harry wrote back, Ben, thank you. And that started a handwritten conversation that lasted, well, from 45 to 48, and then from 52, and then Harry moved back to Independence until he died. They corresponded this oh way. Oh, my God. And so, so, so make it into a play, because it was all about Cold War and the Berlin Airlift they talked about. So are you thinking of making it in Actually, someone has said, you know, what a marvelous piece it might be with your uncle on one side and Truman on the other side. Absolutely. And a visual in the middle of what was going on in the world. Going on in the world. It's a great idea. And my uncle was, he was a Ford tractor dealer and he had a a little, he had a garden. And he would send Harry in the White House, peaches are great this year, Harry, I'm sending you a bushel. Oh, I love this. And so they, "Ah." You know, I can see this. 
Nine it, people could. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Because you don't have anything to do now. I was talking. No. To, I was on Roberta's right. case to write as well. Right. I don't okay. know what I, this I, is she about. Right. The same story? No, she didn't no, tell me. No, yeah, no, yeah, ap- no. Apropos of other stuff, yeah, I was exactly. telling her. I would. Uh, I'm a bit of a writer myself, but I don't have time. This is very close to my heart because it's a problem for me as well. People who can do more than one thing mm-hmm. have to have to find balance. You know, they have to figure out what you they can do and what they can't do, and right. how much of what to. You know? That's exactly right. I want to add my encouragement to the idea of doing that piece. Do you? Yes, I do. All right. I do. I, I mean, it, it's sort of appeared in front of my eyes, and I really... My man said that to me, so I can see it. So can I. I can see it right now. Yeah, so... I get to work on it, but, you know, time is... I Please, yeah. you don't have to say it. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to defend it to me. Well, I'm just if, saying if I'm going to... you gonna... want to write it, and I'll edit it, fine. Hello? Uh-uh. Did you hear what I said? I did. I absolutely heard what you said. There's a blank look on her face. <laughs> I would like to talk you about write? it. Well, let me give you the letters. Well, let's talk about this. And we'll meet know. and we'll talk about this. Right. What happened to me was I thought of all of the projects that I am not currently doing. Oh, okay. All That's right. what happened to me. But, well, this this is so wonderful. You are yeah, so adorable. No, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm so grateful to have had the time to talk to you. I'm due at 4 o'clock and it's... Uh, it's almost 20 up. You've got about 10 minutes. And, as if to demonstrate just how busy a guy he is, Bob's phone went off. <laughs> I want to encourage you, if you have not been to see the production of Chicago at the Golden Apple Theater in Sarasota, that you make it a point to get there. Roberta is amazing. Bill Hayes is wonderful. The production is terrific. I'm going to close this show with the overture from Chicago, that the song that's probably known to all of you called All That Jazz. Come on, baby, why don't we paint the town? And all that jazz, I'm gonna rouge my knees and roll my stockings down. And all that jazz Start the car I know a whoopee spot Where the gin is cold But the piano's hot It's just a noisy hall Where there's a nightly brawl And all that jazz And all that